Yes, hello. Uh, welcome <laughs> welcome back to the Forloff Hour. Um, this is a special episode. We're talking about Unify um, with Dave and Austin of Single Speed, where this year's batch was brewed. Hello, guys. Oh, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong one. That's the right one. There it is. I don't know if they can what hear up? that. No, they can hear it. Oh. You heard the applause? <laughs> Sometimes the applause the... is just in your head, but no, yeah. it's real applause. You're right. And it's, uh, it's a rarity that we actually are announced with applause following it, too, so it probably caught us a top off guard. <laughs> you know, we're not... We laugh tracks. Yeah, so that's what we're more used to. Um, what's up, guys? You know, just uh, taking in some coffee. Yeah, it's chatting. a... It's seven in the morning. You guys? Yeah. Um, Dave, let's start with you. Can you give us a little background, the listener background on who you are? Oh, I can. So I'm Dave Morgan with Single Speed Brewing Company. Uh, Started this company back in 2012 up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. We expanded to Waterloo in 2017, and we have that facility up and running over there now. Austin oversees the brew houses at both locations, uh, the three barrel in Cedar Falls and the 20 barrel that we have over in Waterloo. Um, most people that are have touched our brand or are aware of us, they're, they're getting that Waterloo beer. That's the stuff that we send across the state. Um, and the Cedar Falls system is, is online for fun projects. Me and Austin, we're going back and forth about a little grapefruit beer we've got coming out over there next week, but he keeps that three barrel system active for mm research and development, but also just for fun projects that we want to do. And, and those beers are available in, in that Cedar Falls tap room exclusively for the most part. Yeah. Awesome. And also you're a member of the board, the Iowa Brewers Guild. I, I do. I've been lucky enough to sit on the board for the Iowa Brewers Guild for the last, uh, shoot. I was on it. I don't want to say going into the pandemic and uh, I'm still on it coming out of the pandemic. So they're keeping me around for a little bit. But yes, I'm on the board and that's how I got involved with the Unify project and uh, actually where the Unify project came from was during the pandemic. Um, And I've been kind of leading that charge alongside Mike Wing of Iowa Brewing Company initially. And then Mike has stepped away from the the board for a bit. So left me behind and here we go with Unify. Keep (laughs) her going. And before we dive deep, Dave? It's too early for you. Deep dive (laughs) into Unify. Austin, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um, it's very exciting to be part of the Unify project for us again. Um, you know, we, we were part of it uh, the last couple of years, just as far as obviously Dave kind of spearheading it in conjunction with Mike Wing, uh, but then also just kind of in the background conversation on some of the recipes. Um, you know, I think it was, it's been brewed at Back Pocket and Big Grove in the past and uh, always been open to, to chat with their team as far as what uh, what the recipe looks like or, or see what we can do as far as leaning on some of our suppliers to get, um, to, to provide some of the materials for it. So yeah, very, uh, it was, it was fun this year. Yeah. It's, uh, we got an opportunity to taste it, which I guess we can do here soon. I say it with a bit of hesitation, but yeah, it's cause fine. it's seven in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Um, it's Friday. It is Friday, so it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> um, 
how was the brew day? The pictures looked amazing. We were unable to go this year, but it looked like a grand old time. Yeah, it was a great time. Um, it, it was something that our team definitely uh, was looking forward to and, and then kind of walked into with, with quite a bit of pride. Like it's, it's not often that um, you get a host, literally any brewer in the state who's got the time to come up. Um, so, so that was a fantastic opportunity for us to not only kind of showcase our space a little bit, but also just, um, you know, get in and, and, and network a little bit more because uh, while Dave and I have both been around for quite some time, it, it's, it's not necessarily the case with, um, you know, our lead brewer or our packaging lead and, and other brewers and seller people um, that they don't, they don't have quite as many of those relationships. So for them to have other breweries come over or even some suppliers who, who donated some ingredients to the, to the brew day, uh, I think was, was a lot of fun for them. And it, it seemed like everybody had a pretty good time as far as those folks who, who showed up. So that was great. Do you know off the top of your head how many uh, breweries did show up or at least had somebody on site? Dave? What do you think? We were around 15 to 20. Oh, nice. Wow. I think that's, that's, that's awesome. about what RSVP'd, but then there was a decent amount of breweries that hadn't RSVP'd and still ended up uh, swinging by, which was great. So maybe 25. Wow, that's yeah. that's a lot more than I would have uh, imagined for this. But I mean, it makes sense for the idea and what Unify stands for and mm-hmm. is and what it means to the guild, I suppose. And if we talk, if we're talking about what Unify is and what it means for the guild, Dave, would you like to talk about like the idea of Unify, what what it does for the? Because our listeners don't might have seen Unify on the shelves before and they can read what the can says, but they don't know exactly what it does and what it means for the guild and where it came from. Right. So. Where this project was born, you know, this is edition three of Unify. Where this project was born is as as the guild was going through some tougher times um, and going through a transitionary stage in leadership. We we were also entering the pandemic, and there were some financial concerns there, potential financial struggles on the horizon, um, coupled with some stuff that you know had been brewing in the past there. But also a lot of the, the guild's money comes from events, you know, Iocraft Brewfest, um, Burfest gives us a nice donation on an annual basis, that event that they have in Coralville. Um, things like that are, are, are really drive the financial engine for the Iowa Brewers Guild so it can do what it does. Those things went away during the pandemic. And we're looking at, you know, projecting 12 months out and we're like, how do we keep, how do we keep the guild together? How do we keep it financially viable? How do we continue to work towards our mission and make sure that we could, we have the funding to do so? Uh, Mike Wing said, why don't we do what, you know, all of us here on the board actually know how to do, which is brew beer and, and try to sell a little bit of beer. You know, maybe we brew a beer for the greater good and see if we can see if we can make some money and, and just throw that into the guild's checking account. So we, I, I thought that was a great idea. So we jumped on board, um, got partners to, to help brew the beer, and then Confluence came on board and Confluence has been doing it every year. They distribute the beer for us which is nice because in the world of beer distributors uh, are incredibly important, mm-hmm. which is why they get paid and they get paid margins on the project. Right. Well, John's willing to do it just to cover his cost. So he pulls that margin out of it and it makes the Unify project much more profitable for the guild. Um, this year as a brewery, we jumped in and then we donate all of our time as well to help make the project viable and profitable. And then we work with suppliers to see like, Hey, we're the guild, you know what we do, or hey, we're the guild, this is what we do. Would you be willing to help us with this project? Um, and by that we mean, hey, 
would you come to brew day and hang out, but also would you maybe support us with some raw materials? Um, we're looking to use these hops, we're going to use this malt, we're looking to use this grain, whatever it is. And those guys all stepped up for us too. And all of that together, you can brew a beer, you can sell a beer, and you can make it more profitable than a normal beer that you would make because you don't have a lot of the labor and a lot of the raw material costs in it. And all that money fires right back into the guild. And then we can use it for, you know, whatever important projects the guilds have, guild has going on. Education, marketing, lobbying, you know, legislative is crazy important for small businesses, um, lobbying, things along those lines. Um, the priorities of the guild are, are funded a little bit by the sale of Unify. That's really cool. Um, when, so this is the third iteration. Maybe Austin can talk on this too, or you can as well. So how much has the recipe changed from the first go versus where it's at now? And did you guys have a hand in that? Or um, did you get like full creative control of each version? Is the brewery that does it, did they get full creative control of each version? Or how does that work? Yeah, I would, I would say that the, the recipe has uh, changed year over year. Uh, almost as though it's uh, vintage each year that it's brewed and, and it does vary a little bit. I think part of that comes with uh, the different suppliers that the host brewery is working with, um, you know, because for us, we went to a lot of uh, a lot of the folks that we work with very closely and they were our first points of contact to, to ask for being, um, you know, donating, uh, uh, being donors for the, uh, for, for the project. Um, so I think it has, there's been a lot of common, um, commonality between some of those companies over the course of the years. I know Bree Smaltz has been involved every year so far. Uh, I think Holiday and Sons has been involved every year so far. And uh, this year we were able to bring in Omega Yeast and Hopsteiner into the fold as well. So that kind of gave us uh, another uh, portfolio of hops and, and of yeast that we could would, could work with. So uh, this, this time around, it's uh, different than it was last year. Uh, we worked with all of the brewers um, who are on the board with Dave. Um, that would include, I think, primarily uh, Scott Seelix from Lua, uh, John Martin from Confluence, and then Shane Knipper from Dimensional uh, had, I think, the biggest influence on the recipe as well. So it was still a collaborative effort, uh, kind of able to work within the portfolio of raw materials at Hollingbury & Sons, Hopsteiner, Reese Malt, and then uh, Omega Yeast offer, which was fantastic because those are some premier suppliers. So when you're talking about the vintage, so every year the recipe is different and the style is hazy IPA. So obviously someone can't have the first Unify from the first year and it would still be good. And the last year's version would still be good to this year. So you kind of need to drink it while it's fresh. And that probably helps with sales a whole lot. But what was the reasoning choosing a hazy IPA instead of something that would be like, like you could put in your cellar and then you could actually build like, oh, wow. you know, each year's version of Unify out? That's a, uh, that's a pretty good question, but also a super interesting idea. And I think we just write that one down and think about, hey, is there a way to, to use this idea moving forward for mm. if it's for the guild or for somebody else? That's unique how you could kind of build it year by year. I can tell you what the concept was and, and why we landed on it um, in year one of this. That at that time, and not all that different from right now, what was selling and what was evaporating off the shelves was Hazy IPA. Um, somewhat elevated ABV at that point in time too, but hazy IPA. And what we thought is what can we put on the shelves that we know we'll pull off because we need money. So that's, <laughs> that's how we fair. landed on hazy, hazy IPA in year one. You know, I'm not going to say the guild was in panic mode because I don't think that those people on that board are, are real panicky people, you know, but there was concern about, you know, 
the viability of the guild moving forward as we were going through those tough times is a lot of people were looking at things um, with their businesses or a lot of parts of their life are like, is this, what is going to happen here, right? We were in a, a real flux time and it hit the guild at a, and not a good time, not, not a point in time where the guild was incredibly strong. So we were looking for something that we knew we could get on the shelves and uh, could get it sold. Yeah, and Hazy IPA would do that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It still does it today. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Probably not the artistic or long-term answer you're looking for, but a 100% transparent answer as to where this thing started. And it's it had stayed there, and I'm not sure that we don't change it. Uh, every year we talk about, hey, what style are we going to do? And this year we all voted Hazy IPA again. Like, mm. hey, they're still moving. We think we, you know, the they're not exactly staying the same either, right? The Hazy IPAs, they, they're kind of broad in terms of what you can do. Oh, yeah. New hop, uh, new hop products, new hop varietals. Um, you can always incorporate them and make them quite a bit different. I would say this this is quite a bit different from year one or year two. Um, and you can do that within that style. You can give yourself uh, quite quite a bit of a different beer, quite a bit different finished product, um, but still be a hazy IPA. So Unify, it's out as of yesterday. Well, if you're listening to this last week, Yes, this episode is coming out on May 8th. Happy May 8th, everybody. Yeah. So that's Monday, I think, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, this came out last week, and you should be able to find it at most stores around Iowa. Uh, was there any input on like which breweries picked it up versus like which stores picked it up, or did, did some stores have interest in it just from hearing it, or was it like hard to find retails, like retailers who wanted to pick it up? Do, do we know anything about that? I think we know some stuff about that. Uh, so we did a pre-order for breweries, kegs or cases, whatever they wanted, let us know. Um, it was just an online form they could fill out and, and, you know, try to engage as many of them as we could, because obviously we want the visibility and getting the visibility through breweries. is a great way to do it. Also, if they buy the keg, they can resell it for whatever they sell it for. And maybe they can drive a little, little traffic to their tap room for that weekend or that week or however long they have it. Right. Um, it's one of those fundraiser projects that can also make money for our members of members of the guild right our tap rooms and whatnot mm -hmm. say hey come get unified this weekend we've only got x amount of cases we've only got x amount of draws get in here get it while you can get it here's the story of unify and also hey it tastes really good you know so we've got that arm of it where the pre-sales go to breweries and then as as the team at confluence takes it out they take it out to primarily wherever they sell confluence beer across the state in terms of cans and just slot it in on the shelf, right? The high V people are kind enough. The, the fairway people are kind enough. You know, the, the John's grocery people are kind enough. The Happy's Wine and Spirits people are kind enough to be like, yeah, man, we know it's going to be good. Sounds like a cool project. Slot it in. And uh, it's at the stores. It's at like major retailers, retailers across the state. Um, Confluence doesn't really go statewide. One thing worth pointing out. So uh, they're taking some beer to Lionbridge and Lionbridge is help, helping distribute it across the Eastern side and Wise Eye is helping a little bit over in, in Western Iowa. Nice. So there are a handful of people, Confluence doing the heavy lifting, but you know, the guys out, eating, out East and out West helping a little bit to lighten the load on, on team Confluence, which is appreciated. If you had to, and Austin, you can, ever, anyone can chime in, you, James, you too, Nathan, I guess. I guess, since Maybe. you're the representative of the, the non-brewers group here. <laughs> like, if you had to pitch this to a not, like, so 
potentially someone or a family member you know that isn't potentially the biggest craft beer fan, like how would you pitch Unify outside of the guild stuff or like the beer itself maybe to somebody who isn't necessarily all bought in on the guild or even knows what the who the guild is? Right. I don't know. I might Games? say like if you – like, you know, maybe maybe they want to drink local or support local. You know, maybe they are somewhat interested in Iowa beer. Like, this supports Iowa beer, period. What, you said there were 20, like 20 to 25 uh, brewers or breweries represented at the brew day. What was that number again, Dave? I think there were, Austin thinks there are about 25 breweries, but I know almost every brewery uh, came in a group of two. Yeah. And I don't think they wanted to travel by themselves, <laughs> right? Which makes it more of a party, which makes it fun, but, you know? So you, 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 we have... You know, probably close to fifty people hanging yeah. out in the brewery that day. I feel like um, that that much like cross collaboration and that much support doesn't happen unless the you know there there is a lot of like love in the industry and like support being brought by by the guild and so sort of lean in to the support local, lean into the like Iowa the Iowaness of it would be would be probably the direction I would go. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you definitely need buy-in to make buy-in from brewers and uh, you know the, the the consumers to make something like this happen and for it to be successful. And I think since we're on year three, that definitely speaks to both of those things. And I think every year, you know, it just gets more popular, gets more, gets better and better with every batch too. I love the new labels too. Who did who did eight eight one eight did the marketing for it right? Yep, the team at eight one eight has been with this project from year one. They all they they're very very kind and they make it look uh, as good as it happens to look this year. And then SPS was kind enough to donate the label production. Oh, that's so amazing. all design came through eight one eight and SPS was kind enough to donate the labels. So a lot of partners on this project to to help make it come together and make it profitable for the guild. Uh, regarding selling this thing, can I jump in? Can Absolutely, I, can I jump in on that. I I would not. I would not be at all afraid to talk about the flavor profile on it. Yeah, I, I we really like this one. Um, obviously, when you're making beers like this that are one-offs, there's a little bit of experimentation involved. Um, we obviously have techniques that we use to make hazy IPAs. We have a year-round hazy IPA, and we also knock a knock a few out throughout the year on limited release patches. So we've played around with Hazy IPA quite a bit, but grabbing the knowledge sets from the other members of the guild and, and kind of crafting this recipe and literally in collaboration with them, uh, we were doing a couple things that weren't exactly like we always do. You know, the malt bill changed a little bit. I think we stuck with our water and, and our typical, typical hopping regimen, but some of these hops and, and the ways that you were uh, putting them in and the quantities that you were putting them in, you know, you're never 100% positive exactly what's going to come out the backside. And uh, we were stoked when we've had this hibernum sensory on it. I've drank uh, more than a handful, but I've actually physically run sensory and paid attention to what I was drinking on this, you know, almost six times now. And uh, I think it's great, you know, candied fruit notes, definite mandarin orange, you know, you get some pineapple out of it. Um, what I noticed is with a lot of beers and this is, this is uh, no exception, but it might be magnified in this one. When, when we poured it straight out of the cooler at about 40 Fahrenheit, 
It's a nice beer, but gently muted. But if you got it up into the mid forties, you know, just let it chill out for two, three minutes and hang out and have a conversation and go back to it. it it's really expressive and, and expressive in a good way. So always one way to sell product is quality of product. And, I, and I'm pretty confident in this one. So that's a good way to do it too. Yeah, we're drinking it right now. And it's uh, like, it has, I think it's really balanced. Like there's, there's, there's good, like, sweetness and the stuff that you sort of associate with like modern hazy trend but there's also some hot bitterness to balance it out it's not like so sweet that i feel like my teeth are sticky but yeah it's like i i, I think balanced is probably the way that i would i would put it and like so for with a lot of my friends um who are non-brewers they're <clears throat> looking f like they enjoy finding uh more balanced beers because I think we've we've sort of played the games of extremes and we like extremes uh, on special occasions, but just for reg like for drinking more than uh, more than one of or even just sharing a sixteen ounce. Like I think like I could dr probably drink at least two of these in an afternoon and not like feel sick to my stomach, <laughs> you know. But like a real like thick like sweet triple IPA, I probably only need six ounces of <laughs> yeah that's probably smart to only drink that much <laughs> oh, i got to have my first taste on tuesday i think oh. a little sneak peeker oh but i think like just like you said dave with the the mandarin orange i was like i thought like bright tangerine like lots of bright mm. citrus character in there too and a lot of that nice tropical note too it's a, it's it's like nathan said it's really it's really well balanced and i really like that and i think that when some people hear hazy ipa they just hear IPA, like people at the store or whatever. But if you can get them bought in, like you said, on the flavors of it and the flavor profile of it, to get the, instead of scaring them away by saying IPA, I think mm -hmm. a lot more people could enjoy it outside of just people who like IPAs. Yeah. I feel like previous batches were a lot more, they had more of like, a, you know, like a sticky, dank cannabis kind of note to it. And mm -hmm. I feel like that isn't prominent in this at all. And it's more, I think for that, that harkens back to like those more aggressive West Coast, so that may turn some people off. But are, are we allowed to talk about what hops exactly went into this by chance? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we should. I'm not only are we allowed to, I, I would encourage it. Austin, what do you think? Yeah, uh, for sure. So <clears throat> we, we got to use like pretty much all of the cool kid hops, uh, which was super exciting. You know, I mean, we are, we are going to both Hopsteiner and Hollingberry and ask them like, Hey, do you, do you guys mind if you give us some stuff for free? Uh, and oh, by the way, <laughs> yeah. not be like 2016 cascade. Uh, and not, not that they put that on the table at any point, but they were, they were all, they were all super pumped. So, uh, we utilized, um, not only pellet hops, but also some incognito. Uh, so Ooh. liquid hops, the hot side, um, for the non-brewer listeners. Uh, but we use some citra hops. We use mosaic, um, Idaho seven strata. And then, uh, Hopsteiner's got a proprietary blend called Trident. I think it's their run at like a citra type, um, mm. since citra is proprietary. Um, so we use that in conjunction with the citra incognito in the whirlpool. And then the dry hop was the, uh, mosaic Idaho seven and, and strata and, um, strata made up 50% of that. And it was very, um, it was pretty cool. I mean, de dealing with both working with both uh, Steve Brott and uh, Steve Frith from Hopsteiner and Hollenberry and Sons, respectively. Um, you know, they're, I mean, they're, they're hops guys. They love hops. And we were kind of talking through it, not only 
were they opening up the the hot freezer as far as uh, varietals go? But um, you know, they were talking about specific lots that they were super excited about. Oh. So, you know, out at Hop Selection in in September, uh, those guys are rubbing most lots that through their mm-hmm. uh, their farms and their warehouse. And you know, Steve Frith, for example, with the Idaho Seven, he's like, you know, we have this this one particular one that that I really like. It it brings forth a bit more of the the kind of candied fruit. Um, than perhaps some of the other ones, which, uh, I mean, just being able to have those conversations in the first place is super exciting, but the fact that those guys are willing to, um, bring their, their a game is, is even, even better. I think. That's great to hear. Cause you could just, <clears throat> I feel like someone could just, if they wanted to, you know, bare minimum, they're just like, yeah, we have some hops have at it. But the fact that they're having these conversations too even continues to strengthen our relationship with them outside of like just the Iowa, just Iowa brewers and suppliers, but all of reaching that kind of shows up. Beer isn't just always local. It's also like national, international, worldwide. I still think craft beer is at a collaborative stage. Where, oh, definitely. Like, For sure. especially in Iowa specifically, I don't think any one brewery is bigger than like, they're literally bigger, sure, but like don't think of themselves as bigger and better than everybody else. So it's a little bit more collaborative here. And there's a lot of collaboration going around all on around the country too, which is a nice thing about the craft beer industry in general. Mm-hmm. It's like the can says, drink beer, make friends. And that making friends portion is a lot of the suppliers, the handshakes, the the meetings, the brew day with all of the, all of the breweries around. So it, it doesn't just do the thing. It is the thing. Yeah, totally. Like you were saying before, Austin, too, like having people outside of like you and Dave that work for Single Speed to come and mingle and have those opportunities to create the connections that you guys have had plenty of times to do. And now they're getting that as well. Look at that. All that unification happening. (laughs) I I did want to ingredients wise as well, uh, Mm. because I'm curious, go into the yeast, too. So Omega is new for this year, I think is what, what was said, right? We haven't had Omega in the past. Is uh, what yeast did we use? And by we, I mean y'all use uh, for the <laughs> brew because I didn't even go to the brew day either. Um, yeah, so we used their Cosmic Punch. Mm. Um, was the I think it was the, the first of the zeolized yeast strains. Yeah, um, and then they've since come out with Helio Gazer, which I think is supposed to like ten x um, the hop theols in in hazy IPAs. Um, we use Cosmic Punch for a couple of reasons. One, this year, uh, given the uh, just the, the sheer volume of, of Unify that we were making, it is house yeast. Um, so for, for 60 barrels, we, we already had one uh, culture running, and then we needed to bring in another pitch, which, which Omega was very um, very willing to, to toss, which was great. Nice. Um, and I haven't – I don't know that I've had a lot of beers with the Helio Gazer yet. Perhaps I have. Um, if I did, I'd like to know which ones they were, you know, I think sometimes like the, like the all is kind of the buzzword right now, as far as IPAs go, it seems, I know next week at craft brewers conferences will be a ton of discussion around them. Um, so we were familiar with the cosmic bunch, what it did. And it does, I think in our opinion, boost uh, hop character a little mm-hmm. bit, compared to just, uh, London three or British five, or depending on which, which yeast lab you use, uh, they're kind of hazy strain. Um, but it also doesn't run it necessarily too far up in the kind of, you know, sour candy passion fruits note that I sometimes get out of, have heard people get out of those like 
highly theolized mm-hmm. beard. Yeah, like the very like tropical, kind of like bordering on like sulfuric or musty as well, depending on how you're controlling your thiols there. But this is definitely a lot more subtle than like a Helios Gazer beer, which I think can have a. You've used it a few times, Jack. Yes. And you can it can definitely overrun a beer. Over ripened guava, like yeah. it can get pretty. Um, if you're not balancing it out or like anything like that, it can easily overpower a beer if you mm-hmm. don't help it along or balance it out with anything. Like if you just made a pale ale with just the yeast and just like a touch of hops and a touch of mash hopping, yeah, it's it's pretty potent and in your mm-hmm. face. Like, I mean, those are good traits to have sometimes, but balancing it out with the hops and everything is the key thing to do with that, though, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess knowing that, pa- that passion fruit, that cosmic punch is in here now, it definitely just adds more layers to what the hops are already bringing. It definitely makes it a very compelling beer to drink and sip on. I can see why Dave, you know, had to run sensory on it six times just to make sure. (laughs) No, this is a phenomenal. Well, I love the whole project and everything. That's why we're talking about it today. But also this, you guys knocked it out of the park with this one. I love it. I'm glad we have it at work. I'll have it a few more times, I'm sure. Attaboy. I probably will as well, but not at work. Probably at home. I'll be a purchaser. Yeah, I don't, I don't have it at work either. Well, <laughs> I should have it at work, but, ooh, you know, I'm not in charge of the bar. I can poke, <laughs> put my whole ears and talk into people's faces, but all they hear is, we don't need another hazy IPA on we make our. I'm like, that's not the point. That's not the <laughs> point, bar manager. That's not the point. That's not very unify of place. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> Dave Mie, Emily, you hearing this? Probably not. But they're probably not surprised at me saying it. <laughs> Guys, is there anything else you would like um, our listeners or Iowa at large to know about Unify? The only thing I would say is uh, as you're listening to this, depending on when you're listening, listening, if you're inspired to go out and grab it, uh, don't hesitate because – there isn't a ton of it out there. You know, the draft stuff is primarily, like I mentioned, taproom focused. So support your local brewery, see if they've got it. If they do, go on in, try a pint. Almost everybody that brought a keg is is carrying four packs in the cooler. So you can look for the four packs in the cooler there or support your local retailer and go out and find it. Um, but yeah, if you pause on this one uh, or if you happen to be catching up on all your podcasting in mid-June, you may have missed, you may have missed already. So do not procrastinate on this one. Go grab it. And then if you like it as much as we think you do, go grab another one. (laughs) Buy multiple cases, please. There you go. Send us to the moon. To the moon. Um, While we have you here, though, um, can you talk a bit about the Ironcraft Beer Festival that's coming up soon? In almost a month? Yeah. It was 30 days yesterday. Oh, I think I don't know. I'm crazy. I th- I saw a timer on Instagram. So it's, uh, it's June third, right? Yeah. Hmm. Gonna be a banger, right? I'm excited for it. I'm always moved, excited moved, for it. We yeah. moved that thing to Waterworks Park a couple years back, and that's turned out to be a fantastic location for it. Oh, it's so much better than the bridge. That was the last one I was at. It was horrible. The bridge, it was or just so hot, or right behind the Iowa Tap Room. It's just radiating heat off the pavement. 
There's nowhere to yes. park at those places. Like the the parking, I think, was a huge issue for people attending mm. the festival. Waterworks is beautiful, though. Sometimes I yeah. want to just nap under under the tent. Let someone else pour the beer. <laughs> uh, yeah, Waterworks too much. Waterworks Park has been great. They've been a great partner for us on, on on providing us access to that space. Parking, obviously, no longer a problem. Um, heat radiating off pavement, obviously, no longer a problem. We're on that lush grass. There are some trees, right? You get a nice breeze that's blowing through there because you're not you're not blocked, you know, or stuck in between a bunch of buildings. So it's been great. We moved. I, I want to say this might be the third year that we that will be at Waterworks Park, possibly the fourth, but I want to say third. Um, it's been awesome. A little more space for people too, so you can spread out a little bit more um, and really enjoy the day. But we're excited about it. I know ticket sales have been strong early on, um, which is fantastic. We want to get as many people there as we can, uh, obviously for profitability of fest, but also it's it's more fun with more people, right? Oh yeah. Especially if you've got the room to put them all in. Um, brewery buy-in is strong. I think we're upwards of, I think we're over 60 breweries already that have committed, but nice. typically it's you know, in that 50 to 70 range of Iowa breweries that we represented. And I think this year will be as, as strong as ever in terms of the number of breweries that are going to be there. And, and I know uh, I know all the breweries are excited to come and showcase their stuff. So they bring the good stuff too, which is which is important. Bring yeah. that good stuff. Got to get those ticks in on untapped <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it is nice to see people bring like the crazy stuff. But it's all because of like, you know, projects like Unify that we can pop off on the uh, Craft Beer Festival, though, right? Correct. We, it all ties together, James. It all ties together. Would uh, would you uh, would Single Speed be able to give our listeners a little tease, a look ahead to something you might be bringing to the IO Craft Beer Festival? Well, I can tell you one thing. I don't know what we're bringing to that fest, but I know we're <laughs> drop. I know we're dropping a beer with. Uh, Lua next week that is uh, is worth noting in this in this podcast since we're talking about collabs anyway. Mm. We've got a cool guy from Lua on here. We might as well, Austin. You want to talk about coloring contest year two? I would love to. Um, yeah, coloring contest is a Keller beer filtered lager, right? With the the base style is a Dortmunder export. Mm. So I think um, I'm going to go ahead and take a word from Zach, a beer description from Zach that I saw on the menu once at Lua. Uh, I think he, he used the term sturdy for Dan's Dunkel. Yes. Uh, I would argue that uh, coloring contests also uh, hedges towards sturdy, um, but golden color, uh, really well balanced. I think it's a fantastic um, lager to drink kind of as you transition from cold to warm or warm to cold weather-wise, uh, much like, you know, in the fall of Fespier or March, it's like incredibly sessionable. Um, and and still kind of has that solid uh, medium velvety mouthfeel to it. So uh, I like it a lot. It's got a little bit of hop character to it at the finish. Um, yeah, it's it's delightful. One of my favorite beers that we brew every year, and it's even more fun when it's made with friends. Oh, yeah. I had quite a bit of that last year as well. I did too. That's a great beer. <laughs> <laughs> That's dropping soon. Yeah, I think it should be your way next week. We've we've got it. Have we released it yet, Austin? We just have it. Are we the only ones drinking it right now? We're just holding on to it and drinking it ourselves? What's going on with that? Yeah, we're just drinking it ourselves. So there's still a chance that not enough makes it out to market. Uh, but uh, yeah, it should should be launching, I think, in our Waterloo Tap Room on 
May 12th. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so then the following week, uh, we'll be shipping it down to, to Des Moines uh, as well. So I think it's if pretty much. If there's any left. If there's any left, right. Two cases that make it to <laughs> yeah, Des Moines. Yeah. <laughs> I might be installing a, a brewer's side pull on the backside of our cooler later this afternoon. We'll see. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> wow. I might be going to Waterloo today. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Well, and I'm hoping to come down, uh, you know, next week we're out in Nashville for the Craft Brewers Conference, but the following week I, I plan to be down in Des Moines. So I'll try to swing through the tap room uh, at Lua. Maybe we can sit down and have one together because I think we're going to try to do two batches of this one this year. So if we can sit down and drink through one together and if we want to make any minor adjustments, uh, we, we could talk through those too. If we're like, oh man, I love this, but maybe if we gave it just a touch more of this or a touch less of this. At this point in time, I wouldn't make any changes, but those, I mean, if, if I can use that as an excuse to sit down and have a beer with you, I'll do it. Let's say it sounds like a great excuse just to have a few beers. Mm-hmm. I'm, in, I'm in, Dave. I'm full of those usually. <laughs> I've got a lot of reasons why we should be sitting down and having those. <laughs> well, Austin, Dave, thank you guys so much for taking uh, some time out of your morning to talk to us. We appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yes, thanks for having us. Is there, so can you guys, do you guys want to plug single speed? Where can we find you on social media and all that stuff? And then and our TikTok. <laughs> TikTok, any of that, Twitter. Social game strong. Austin's been featured on social a lot recently. Social game super strong, but uh, singlespeedbrewing.com. And then, yeah, we're, we're live on Instagram. We play around on Twitter a little bit, but Instagram's probably our preferred mode of communication with the masses. Uh, you can find us there. Mostly Austin's face. You can find him there. Perfect. Sometimes too much of Austin's face. <laughs> well, awesome, guys. Thank you. Um, this has been the Vorloff Hour, the official podcast of the Irish Brewers Guild. You can also find us at the Vorloff Hour on Instagram and Facebook. We don't use Twitter because we didn't get the blue check mark. <laughs> <laughs> But that's in the pipeline. We're working on it. Thank you so much, guys. Can't wait to see you soon and have a beer. Let's do it. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Enjoy your Friday, guys. You too. Bye. This has been a production of the Vorloff Hour, the official podcast of the Iowa Brewers Guild. Special thanks to Andrew Hoyt for the intro music and Balanced Scale Media, LLC, for our sponsor segments and outro music. Find the Vorloff Hour wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram.